Are you ready for a breakthrough at MAG? There's, gonna, there's a breakthrough coming. Not just a good service. There's a breakthrough coming. A corporate breakthrough. There's many people who have personal breakthroughs. Noel has a personal breakthrough. But there's a corporate breakthrough coming for MAG. Because he has those promises that roll over and over. I'm not going to spend time going into the many things that God's promised me in this, about this church and promised this church. But church, there's going to be a breakthrough. The wind blows where it pleases, I can tell you that. And I believe he moves sovereignly. And I believe that he has chosen this to be a place that he moves sovereignly. Me and Matt both believe that. The rest of you can catch up. We need a move. We need a move. I've had the privilege of living through, growing up in, let's put it that way, moves of God. And there's nothing like it. Van Buren First Assembly, I lived through years of a move of God. A move of God was just normal. Do you know that a move of God can be normal? I'm not talking about goosebumps. People are, oh, I feel goosebumps. Big deal. Your dog runs out from behind the corner and scares you. You might feel goosebumps. Goosebumps isn't nothing. <laughs> goosebumps isn't anything. Went 10 years, a decade of white hot revival in Paris, Arkansas. 10 years. Talking about where you had to put chairs in the aisles and tear out the balconies for more seating. Where, where, for, where for church, you had, to, you had to be at church on a Sunday night early to get a seat on the main floor on a Sunday night. I'm telling you, when God moves, when there's a breakthrough, it'll change everything. You won't have to compete with travel ball. You won't have to compete with the lake. You won't have to compete with the fishing tournament. You won't have to, you won't have to, compete, with, you won't have to compete with anything whenever there's a breakthrough. There's a, I say, are you picking on? I'm not picking on anything. I'm telling you when there's a breakthrough, nothing else matters. When there's a breakthrough, it changes everybody's routine. It changes everybody's schedule. Can somebody, can somebody join, join in unity and agree and be agreeing in prayer and in fasting and in attitude? By the way, there's a prayer meeting every Sunday at 5 o'clock. And when it began, and it was powerful and still is at times. But there's a prayer meeting every Sunday. If you were, when there was a prayer meeting that was hot, there were services that were hot. There's a prayer meeting every Sunday night. We have seen incredible prayers answered from a Sunday night prayer meeting at the end of service. I don't have time to go into it. But if you've been here any length of time, we have seen incredible answers to prayer. Before I take a text, I'm going to tell you, I've told you before, but I'm telling you again in a, in a, in a, in a spirit of urgency, not of, of spanking. That where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That there is a spirit of worship that will come to this church that will change everything. The spectator, the spectator audience and the sit back and look and the, not, it, it leaves. Not because anything's been ginned up worked up, manipulated in, but because the spirit of the, of the living God shows up. It's high time that there's people in MAG that got plugged in to the direct current of the spirit of God because you, you won't be able to just sit there. We need a move. The golden triangle needs a move. All the monkey business that's going on all over the place is filling up churches Lives are not changed. And when crisis comes, they find out that, they, that the emperor had no clothes. But when the power of God is in the room, situations change. I'm determined. This is the hardest thing. Pastor in Mag Church is the hardest thing this man's ever done, and I've done some stuff. But it's not hard because you're difficult people. It's not, you're not difficult people. You're the opposite of difficult people. It is hard because God is wanting to move here. And it's hard, it's hard to move it in, to get people to move into a place where God can move. But God's going to move. Is there anybody that's going to agree? Yeah. You know what it'll cause? It'll cause you to praise the Lord from the first stroke, from the first note. 
It'll cause you to respond to the Word of God. See, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. It'll set you free in your, in your worship, in your mood. <laughs> yeah. It changes everything. No, I won't quit. I won't give up. I won't quit pounding. I won't quit preaching. I won't quit, teach, quit teaching. You know, I, you know by now, I, I, I teach some pretty difficult stuff sometimes. And I was bellyaching to the Lord last week about it. See, y'all, y'all think I just, just think that's fine. Will he ever let up? No. Last week, you know, I got to tell you, last week was one of the hardest things I ever attempted to open my mouth about Father's Day. And I was at home. I said, God, I don't want, I, I'm, I, just, I, just, I, don't, I can't do this. And the Spirit of God said to me, Matt, he said, then you won't have anything to say. Now, if you know, anybody ever spoke in front of people? Anybody ever needed to be, a, be the preacher or the teacher? Anybody ever been, right, you know, the night before and you don't have anything to say? Now, I learned a long time ago to pre, to, that I could trust him, that there was going to be something there when I got there. And sometimes that's walking on the stage, and that's the truth. But I didn't have anything to say but that. And I said, God, I don't want to say this. this is the, people have had enough of me and this kind of stuff. He said, then you won't have anything to say. I thought, oh. Mag, you've been given and being given a solid foundation of Scripture. It would be so much easier just to preach the highlights of love and the good time. But the Word of God says that all Scripture is inspired and it's profitable for doctrine, for instruction in righteousness, and it's for the equipping. The preacher's job, the pastor's job is to equip the saints. And in the world we live in, most of the church is not equipped for the fight, and that's on the preacher. And it's hard in this environment to preach truth. I'll just tell you, it's hard. Especially when you're ready for breakthrough. I gotta tell you, there ain't nobody more ready for breakthrough than JR. But you know what? Breakthrough, Jeff, your name is Jeff. (laughs) Breakthrough, (laughs) breakthrough without a foundation is dangerous. You get crazy stuff, You you get revivals that go off the rails when you don't have a foundation of Scripture and what's true. You get wildfire instead of holy fire. There's been people over the years that say, well, wildfire, it's better than no fire. No, it's not. Abinadab and Abihu were struck dead over wildfire. Wildfire is not better than no fire. Wildfire is dangerous and destructive. So, so an outpouring, a revival without a biblical foundation doesn't work. And it's been proven over and over that it does not work. And all the fakery and the tomfoolery that's going on today out of places like Bethel and all that garbage. I, I've got to where I, if, if that makes you mad, come talk to me. I'll preach on it one of these days. It's tomfoolery. It's black magic. It's crazy stuff. And it makes, the, it makes the church of God look like fools is what it does. But there is a real move of God. Amen. There is a real God who does real miracles. And yes, we should say that. I've even got some things marked. This is one of the, this is, I don't know if I'm about to teach, I'm about to preach, I don't know what I'm about to do. But I'm going to address some of those things because there's things that we should be divided over. Oh, you never, in this day of unity, everything's about unity. An ecumenical unity. 
Everything's about unity. There's the, I got news for you. The only thing you can unify around is who and what is true and who and what is right. And the word of God is right. The Bible is right and everything else is wrong. I don't care if it wears a Christian label. I don't care if it sells 40 million albums a year or, and 60 million books. The Bible is right and everything else is wrong. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. We live in the age of deception. Oh, while I'm there, I'll just go ahead and tell you, Bill Johnson's favorite th- teaching is you don't need to be worried about deception. That your God, that If you're worried about being deceived, that your devil's bigger than your God. That God's big enough to hold you. Jesus, Paul, Peter, John, James, Jude, all, all of them. Let me Jesus, Paul, the architect of the church, the master builder. Jesus, the chief cornerstone. James, his brother. Jude, his brother. Peter, John, his inner circle. All warns you that to be careful lest you be deceived. I could go into, not go into, all the new age mumbo jumbo. That's exa- now that it's even freely admitted, there are things we should be united over. There are things that we should be divided over. Do I have your attention? You know what we, uh, let me, I'll lay it before we even take scripture. Let me, let me lay some foundations. We're not divided over somebody's personal sin. Whether that be a big preacher or a nobody. Oh. See, we've came to a place where you can preach absolute heresy and the world will celebrate you. Or you can change the world with the gospel and have a personal failure and the people will stone you for 40 years. And you know what that's from? Now, it's a tragedy when anybody falls. But you know, what, you know how those two statements can be together? Is a lack of teaching and understanding of the Word of God. You'll not find one thing. See, the, the enemy knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. Jesus knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. It's an amazing thing. See, it's his word. That it's his word that's forever settled. People are going to fail. I'm st- I just, I just start plowing. You know, when anybody of any notoriety dies in, in, the, in the preaching world, you know, the, there'll be things like, well, you know, they, they never had a, I, I love them because they never had a scandal. They never had a failure. That's not the measure. That's not the measure. That's not, you, you teach on David, but you don't know the measure. The the measure is not that they never failed. The measure is that they never quit. If a man falls seven times, the proverb says, if a righteous man falls seven times, are you hearing me? See, it's a deception to believe that that we can be united over personality and audience and reach and scope and be divided over personal failure. That's not the scriptural standard. Mm -mm. Well, I think I'll start with with Romans chapter 16 before I go to the scriptures for my text because I need to lay some basis for what I just said then I've got to step on the gas. Because you know why I'm going to preach? For one thing, it's true. The, one of the reasons I'm going to preach this, uh, what I'm about to get into, is because, listen to me, it's true. You need to know truth. Amen. And the other reason is there's somebody's, no doubt, multiple somebody's in this room that you've had failure. Maybe that people know about. 
Maybe you're in the midst of a failure and people don't know yet. Maybe there's failure coming. There certainly is. Let me, t- let me just back up and say, let me tell you, there is. You, you, you got to get hold of it. People fail. Oh, it's not an oh excuse. Nobody's perfect. That's not it at all. But the fact of the matter is, is we haven't achieved perfection. Maturity. There's no such thing as sinless perfection. Nobody, anybody would try to tell you. If Paul even talked about it, he said in, in Philippians, I have not arrived yet. We're talking about Paul. I'm not there. He's talking about sinless perfection, a complete victory. He said, I have not attained it yet, but I'm striving for it. I'm reaching toward it. He said, I am pressing for it, towards it, the goal, the prize of the high calling. Mag needs to be a place that the days of the scarlet letter are gone. See, they used to be a literal scarlet letter, but now it's a spiritual scarlet letter. The days of the scarlet letter have to be gone when God has stepped in and removed somebody's sin as far as the east is from the west. We should not be divided over personal failure because we've all had personal failure. We've all, see, there's none righteous. No, not one. The reason I bring this this morning because there's somebody in here that were here now, no doubt, watching now, no doubt, will watch later, no doubt, that the enemy has tried to come into your mind and say, you can't have, you can't even be saved maybe, or you can't have God's best, or he's not going to baptize you in the spirit, he's not going to heal you because you've done this, or you've done that, or you're involved in this, or you struggle with that. There's nothing scriptural. That is, that is a lie of the enemy. There is nothing scriptural about your failures keeping you from God when they're put under the blood. Nothing. Said that, that when I sin, I have an advocate. It should be when the, we can't unite. Listen. We can't unite with everything that calls itself a church when they don't stay true to the Word of God. And we're not talking about little non-essential fusses between denominations that don't amount to a hill of beans. We're talking about the heretical garbage that's taken over the church world today. I'm going to tell you that the idea of health, wealth, and prosperity, that, that, that health and wealth and prosperity is, is God's blessing and mark of God's presence and blessing on a life is a lie. And it's a, it, it, it is a destructive lie. It's what's brought us to where we are today. It's why some people think they, they're outside of God's will because they have a health crisis or they have a financial disaster or they, or they never achieve the, what, what the TV preacher that's preaching, send me your money and God's going to bless you. It's a lie. We can't unite with that. Romans 16, before we move forward, then I'll get on it. Somebody needs to hear this morning that, that it's going to be okay. That's what somebody needs to hear today. It's, that God can, let me say it a different way. Somebody needs to hear today that God can use you. And that God will use you. Let the, let the scoffers scoff and the mockers mock and the liars lie. That doesn't change God's mind about using you because you've had failure in your life. Uh Uh-oh. Hear me. Romans 16 says, I urge you, brethren, to note those or mark those who cause divisions and offenses. Contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Listen, doctrine means teaching. It's the, th- it's the systematic teaching of what the Word of God says and means. Hear me. That's what we do here. We teach you what the Word of God says and what it means. He says, I, now I urge you, Paul speaking, brethren, talking to the church, note or mark those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. 
That's where scriptural division should come. We don't treat the deep truths and the hard truths of the Word of God. There's things you cannot unite with. Cannot. Listen to me. Cannot. And there's people that you should mark and name. Jesus named them. We're not talking about people you got to fight with. We're not talking about people you have a, a, a little division over, over how you get to heaven. Or unless that division involves somebody besides Jesus. Are you with me? It's not possible to unite with it. That's how deception comes. Paul named them. Jesus named them. Peter named them. Oh, y'all are mad. I think they're worried I ain't going to quit. Far too long, the church world has cultivated a culture of shunning people over failure while eating up, devouring, purchasing, buying, involved in every scheme, every wind of doctrine, every destructive thing, and thinking that they're righteous and rebuke those who will say something. It's created a culture where God can't move. God will not, listen to me, that baby's too cute. He's a lot to compete with. God can't, God cannot, I'm going to read scripture here in a minute. God can't, listen to me, I need y'all to hear, this is plain, this is Wednesday night stuff, so that's all right. God cannot and God will not unite with, bless, or pour his spirit out on error. He will not do it. He will not work through the heresy and the heretic. There's a lot of people that try, well, eat the meat, spit out the bones, the poisons in the meat. He cannot and he will not join himself with heresy. And far too long, the church has cultivated a culture of when people fail, that they're the divider and that you, get, that you, you throw them out. That's not the gospel. In fact, it's the opposite of the gospel. Not talking about letting people run wild and never repent. Oh, I'm going to get to that key word right off the bat. Repent. Oh, we put timelines on people's repentance. The assemblies of God, man, they, you're going to have to, it's going to take two years and they're going to put you through everything in the world. That has nothing, there's nothing in scripture about it. There's no scriptural basis for it. There's no anything about it. But they're going to put you through two years of hell and, and then call it repentance and restoration. That has nothing to do with repentance or restoration. Nothing. They're going to send you to try to get, send you to the psychologist so they can fix you up. And I've always wondered what the psychologist was going to do that the Holy Spirit couldn't. Somebody fall out. You're, you're, you're a man of God, a woman of God. You failed. You're, you, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, spiritual counsel around you, and you still fail. They're going to send you to somebody to give you an earthly solution and maybe a pill. And you tell me what, you tell me, you tell me what the doc's going to do that the Holy Spirit couldn't do for you. Tell me. Get mad at me if you want to. I've come to the place that I literally do not care. Come talk about it, but I will not argue with you. I don't have time for it. Got things to do. This book tells us that God has given us everything. Somebody say everything. everything. Can I ask you a question before I move on? Do you believe this book or not? Yes. Is it the word of God or not? Yes. Is it the word of God or not? Yes. Is it the word of God or not? Yes. Is it the word of God or not? Yes. I'll ask you one more time. Is it the word of God or not? The Word of God says that, he, that God has given us everything, somebody say everything, that pertains to life and to godliness. I am sick to death of us farming out the work of God to every professional so-called in the world and not dealing with things spiritually. And I'm sick of the circular firing squad of, of the church killing people of their own instead of knowing that Galatians chapter 6 says if a brother be taken, overtaken in a fault let you who are spiritual restore such a one considering yourself yes. Yes. the divide is over doctrine 
Incidentally, we've spent 20 years gearing a church to reach the, un, the, 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 the seeker. Oh, Scott, I may not be able to do it this quick. We've, ge- we've, geared, we've geared the entire church in America for the last 30 years, really, towards the seeker. Surveys. What do you want? Now listen, a shepherd cares for a sheep. That God, God calls the pastor to shepherd. You know, a shepherd cares for their sheep and cares about their needs. and cares, A shepherd cares for their sheep. Are you hearing me? But I couldn't care less what you want. Oh. oh, it weighs on me whenever I know it's a hard row and I know it's difficult to do. and I, That weighs on me, but... <laughs> I gotta hurry, Scott. Help me. <laughs> Trying to get catch people on their journey. Surveys about what people want in the church and what they don't want in the church. The, the Bible doesn't does not address scripturally. Couldn't care less what the sinner wants out of a church. I got a newsflash for you. The church is not for the sinner. Oh no, I didn't say that. I, can you believe I just said that? I got news for you. Let me give you a news flash on this side. The church is not for the sinner. Never has been, never will be. The church is the body of Christ. And it's to the, we gather to equip the saints. See, a sinner can't even hear what the Word of God says. Now, do sinners come and hear the Word of God and the Spirit of God comes and makes conviction? Yes. But that's because when truth comes. Oh. Oh, I'm, covering, I'm just hitting some highlights. You're going to have more questions. I might help you again tonight. It's high time somebody said it. The church is not for the sinner. And, I, and it doesn't matter what people out there want. I don't care if you want this music or that song. I don't care if you want me to preach or that or this. The shepherd's job is to, is to give the sheep what they need. You ever raise kids? Do you know that sometimes that they, they want things? Now, since my mama's moved to town, she, she, I have to be careful because she verifies things I say. But my daddy taught me early a difference between a need and a want. And I, I say, I need, I, mean, you know, I need this. You know, I need that ring pop. I need that sherbet push-up. Remember? No, you want it. You say, what you need is a whipping. <laughs> and we built a church on people's needs. Or their wants instead of their needs. And we've, we've, we've gathered around personality and showmanship and enticing words of men's wisdom. We've gathered around smooth talk that's not based in truth. And then wonder how we got here. Mark those who cause division among you. It says, and avoid them. Matthew chapter 1. And I'm going to, it's 12.01. Y'all know we don't get out at 12. So I just want you to take a breath. I'm not going to preach to 1.30, I promise. <laughs> I like him. See, that's what happens when you get saved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm front loading I tended to go the other direction Matthew chapter 1 verse 4 Ram begot Aminadab and Aminadab begot Nashon Nashon begot Salmon Salmon begot Boaz of Rahab by the way that's a Gentile, a Moabite. And Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. 
Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begot David the king. And Jesse begot David the king. And David the king, I'm glad we didn't switch Davids. It's still David the king. David the king begot Solomon. By he who had been the wife of Uriah. All in the same breath, he talked about a king, his affair, and a murder. In one breath. Jesse begat David the king. David the king begat Solomon. The wife of Uriah, that would be Bathsheba. And Bathsheba would be the victim of his scheme to murder to cover his tracks. And if you keep on reading down, you'll get all the way till you beget Jesus. The son of David. The one that was prophesied through a prostitute, Rahab, and through a Moabite, and through an affair of his own, and a murder. And you know what? The word of God's not divided over David's failure. At all. If I was to read and go back, I'd go to 2 Samuel chapter 11, and it would tell you that David was, David the king, in the time, in the springtime of the year when the kings normally go to war, or supposed to go to war, that David stayed home. Says he sent Joab. See, that's what happens when you quit doing your job and sending somebody else. When you quit, when you don't, when, when God gives you a calling and puts you into place, somebody hear me, when God puts an anointing on your life and you decide to take the day off and you send somebody, somebody see, somebody can't go in your place. I ain't got time to preach that, but I'm going to tell you right now, when you're anointed for a job, somebody else won't do. Y'all can go ahead and wake up. I've laid a lot of ground. Now I'm going to preach for just a second. Go ahead and wake up. When God's anointed you to do something, Grady, there's nobody else that will, can walk in your place. And when, somebody, when you send somebody to do what God called you to do, you're going to be in a mess pretty quick. It says that David, in the, in the springtime of the year, in the time that kings go to war, David stayed home and he sent Joab in his place. And while he was out, he said, David walked out onto the balcony onto his terrace in the middle of the afternoon. It says in the middle of the afternoon that he looked out across the city and he saw a particularly beautiful lady bathing on the roof. She said she wasn't just pretty, Matt, and she was particularly beautiful. Now I want you to know right up front that Bathsheba wasn't doing anything wrong. Bathsheba was doing what people did. David was the one in the wrong place at the wrong time doing what he wasn't supposed to do. Let's just get that straight. And when he saw her, you know what he did again? Matt, he sent someone. David was all into sending instead of doing. <laughs> David sent someone to get her. And he went, you know the story. David and Bathsheba came. They had sexual relations. David got her pregnant. What am I going to do? He said, she said, she went through her cleansing. She realized that she was pregnant. She called David and said, I'm pregnant. I don't know if they had AT&T or what. But she said, she called David, said, I'm pregnant. He says, oh, go get Uriah. What do we got to do? We, well, we got to cover that up. See, this is what happens whenever you cover up instead of repent. I'm going somewhere. I'm trying to do it quick, but I'm, this is what happens when you cover up instead of repent. You know what the thing to done would have been? Repent. Acts 17, Paul's writing, he's at Mars Hill, he's talking to all the smart people of the world, and he said that there were times of ignorance that God looked over these things. He said, but we come to a time and place, now that we have the cross, now that we have redemption, now that we have, he said, now we've come to the place that it's God's will for all men everywhere to repent. It's God's will for all, we, we talk about repentance like it's a dirty word. And a, 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 a repentance is the goodness of God. Repentance is the grace of God. Repentance is the opportunity to make things right with God. It's God's will for all men, even you, to repent. David, I'm pregnant. Get Uriah. Rather than, oh my God, what have I done? Go get Uriah. Bring Uriah in. David brought him in, fed him, fed him dinner, and got him drunk. That's what it says. David went, this man after God's own heart. 
David went and got him, called him in, fed him dinner, got him drunk and said, you've been working hard, go home and see your wife before you go to battle. He said, he, did, he wouldn't do it. Even drunk Uriah wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. Slept in the doorway. He said, what are you doing? He said, there's no way with my men in battle. He was a man with integrity. He was, Uriah was a man of integrity. He said, there's no way that my men in the heat of battle defending your kingdom that I'm going to go away, that I'm going to take your delicacies and then go sleep in the comfort of my own bed and have a relationship with my own wife. I'm not doing it. David tried again. Uriah said, no. Again, a really good place to repent. David said, listen, when Uriah goes back out, send him, put him on the front line. Put him in the heat of the battle. Now, why in the world? He said, he, said, he even said it. Put him in the heat of the battle where he'll be killed. Now, we're talking about that he's seen a hottie on the roof. He sent for somebody that's not his wife. That's what he wanted. He wanted a wife. He had, he had sex with her, got her pregnant, tried to cover it up by bringing her husband home in time so it could look like he got her pregnant. Is that real enough? I mean, you need to know what the story says. Tried twice and he wasn't having it. What am I going to do now? Well, the logical thing to do is just kill him. Now, I thought about that just this morning, Jeff. What in the world good did it do, David, to kill Uriah? What in the world good did it do? And you know what I figured out? The whole time that David wanted her for his wife. If, if, if I can't have, if I can't, uh, you know, I got her pregnant. This is a mess. So I'm going to bring her husband and cover it up. Well, that didn't work. Well, I wanted her all along, so I'm just going to kill him. And then everybody will expect the baby to be mine. Y'all ain't hearing me. The murder was about, I'll just take her for a wife and nobody will be shocked when the baby's mine. Hello? Man after God's own heart. Man, if he had had a show on TV, it'd have been it'd have been something. Man, just think about. I mean, preachers of Jerusalem. You know what I mean? I mean, David had the had the house. He had he had the, he had it all. What a sordid tale. David. Obed begat David the king. David the king begat Solomon of the wife of Uriah. Oh, and go over to Hebrews chapter 11. It says, by faith, Abraham. By faith, Noah. By faith, Sarah. By faith, by faith, by faith. It gets down and it says, oh, and I could go on, but time would not permit me to tell you about the faith of David. Hall of Fame. He's supposed to be excommunicated, defrocked, dethroned, thrown out, because nobody's even hearing me yet. I'm talking about you're out here and you think you've messed up, that God can't use you, that you've never, you've never had anything this bad going on in your life, I promise you. Never. Time would not permit me to tell. Samson. Well, Samson, had, I mean, Samson. He, Samson was something else. We talked about him the other night. Whoo, never mind Delilah. He was always running around with somebody. Samson had a woman problem. But the Hall of Fame of Faith said, time would not permit me to tell. Well, preacher, are you just saying you should be able to get away with anything? That wife that he took for his own so the baby would look like his, the baby died. Consequences. Consequences. When the prophet confronted him, he, he went to immediate repentance. In fact, if you look at the language, it indicates that David had already repented before Nathan even came. But Nathan came and exposed him. It's you. Are you hearing me? He said, God, you're going to live. What the prophet was saying is God's not going to kill you. He should. Hello? The penalty for what you've done should be death. 
You're, I, God, but God's gonna not, he's not going to kill you. In fact, you're going to... But bloodshed's never going to leave your home. The consequences of what... See, people, the church people get all worried that when people fail or a preacher fails or whatever fails that, 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 they, that, they, that, they, that they're just going to get away with it. See, you, you got all confused thinking that the, that, that's the district and everybody else gets confused thinking that the, 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 the repercussions is up to us. I'm trying to teach you something on a Sunday morning. We like to see people get what they need. It's quicker when you're with me. We love, Christian people love to see people get what they deserve. And we want to decide what they deserve. Now, when it's us, we want mercy. If you just understood my circumstances, you'd know why I did what I did. And you, just shouldn't, you shouldn't even worry about it. Let me help you with something. The consequences are up to God. There's consequences on earth. The Bible says if you, that if you steal for, to feed your kids, the people can understand that. But if you take a man's wife, they'll never get over it. That's men. That's not God. I'm helping you on a Sunday morning. I'm helping build a foundation under MAG where people can come and get their life straight. Where people can know that when they've had failures that God can use them. I'm, I'm, I'm coming for you to know that ain't nobody getting away with nothing. God keeps good records. And, and the records are not up to me and, how they, and, and, how, and what comes is not up to me. The Bible says that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. He said, David, the baby's going to die. Bloodshed's never going to leave your household. It's going to be turmoil. And what you've done in secret, your, your son's going to do to you in the open. You know what happened? The baby died. One, boy, one son raped, raped his sister. And then the other son murdered his brother for raping his sister. And then you know what happened? Absalom decided that this is a mess, that I should be king. And he rose up and David had to go into exile because Absalom was trying to kill him, trying to take over his kingdom. And, and, and then they're on the march one day and Absalom is running through after and, and, and trying to take over. And he gets caught by his hair on his horse and jerks him off the horse and kills him dead. And David, instead of saying, see, that's what you deserved, he said, Absalom. Absalom. You know what? Absalom was the consequences of David's own life. He didn't get away with anything. But God still used him. Paul said things like, avoid said, Alexander the coppersmith, he's done me wrong. He said, talking about the ones that were like Pharaoh's musicians. He, he named names about people that done him wrong. I'm talking about people preaching the wrong gospel, the wrong thing. People embrace that today, but they shun people in their failures. It's, a, it's God's will for all men everywhere to repent. I'm trying to talk about what mag can be for God to move at mag. For what God can do in your life. For what God can do in your, people, in your family's life. For what, how God can use you and will use you. I'm trying to get you away from the garbage teachers and get you back. You know what's the hardest people in the world to listen to? It's the people that you think they've either failed or, or oh, I know all that. No, you don't know all that, what they're teaching. You wanna, if you want to hear the sensational and, the, and it's the woo and the, and, the, and the shock and all, because it's silly and goofiness, it's not real. This walk of faith is a discipline to stay with the Word of God and to walk in the Word of God. And God, that is where God can and will move. Repentance was the order of the day. But cover-up was the, was the direction that he went. What does it look like? When, people, when you mess up, gotta hurry. When you mess up, it doesn't look like, listen, God, for, God forgave me, you should too. Look at me. I'm talking to you. It doesn't look like, well, God forgave me. You should too. 
I'm talking about it. It doesn't look like nonchalant. No consequences. It doesn't, it doesn't look like pride. God did forgive them when they asked with a contrite heart. It looks like this. I'm talking about who God, how God can use you. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your love and kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned. And done this evil in your sight. Listen, it's not just a mistake. It's evil. Sin is not just a mistake. It's evil. It's just, it's just a mistake. Get over it. No, it's evil. That you may be found, that, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and my sin is, was conceived in me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. God desires truth. And in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Pur listen. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear your joy and your gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a steadfast spirit. Do not cast me away from your presence. He said, oh God, I can't do without you. I can't do without you. Cast me not away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I don't mean to harp on it, but that's not a counselor. That's a repentance. That's a brokenness. That's a, that's a turning. That's a taking responsibility against you and you only have I sinned. Cleanse me, help me, purge me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Oh, can I stop right there even though it doesn't say restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He says restore unto me the joy of your salvation. I'll remind you that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Salvation is his and it's a gift. Restore unto me the gift of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. And then I will teach transgressors your ways. I'm trying to hurry, but you, but you, you can't miss this. Did you hear what David said? He didn't say, and I'll tuck my tail and go away quietly. I'll quit preaching. I mean, I have people tell me when the people fail, they ought to quit preaching. I can't find it in the book. They ought to repent. It's God's will that all men everywhere should repent. He says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Cleanse me. Don't remove your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take my anointing. Are you hearing? Then, when, I, when you cleanse me, when you purge me, when you restore me, then I won't go away. Then I will teach the transgressors the, your ways and the sinners will be converted to you. I'm not going to go away and hide. I'm going to stand up and say, look at the mess that I made. But I cried out to God and he restored me and he healed me. He forgave me. He uses me. He anoints me. And he will use you too. I'm not going away. I'm going to say this is what happened. But this is who God is. And this is what God does. He will use you. He will use you. If you'll cleanse me, if you'll restore me, if you'll wash me, if you'll purge me, then I will stand. Then I will declare. Then 
will preach. Then people will turn. Then God can move in the house. Then he can do it and will do it. Then, David said, then I will preach the transgressor, the sinner, your ways. Deliver me from the guilt of the bloodshed, God. See, God, God can't use somebody moping around in their failure. Remove from me, deliver me the guilt of your... God does not intend for you to live the rest of your life in shame and guilt. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Praise God. Somebody, deliver me from the guilt of your bloodshed, O Lord, the God of my salvation. It was his salvation, now it's the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud. He wants you to sing again. Sing again. Somebody ought to sing again. Somebody ought to sing again. He says, he says and then I will sing aloud, not in, a choir, not in your car, not in the shower, and right out in front of everybody. Then I will sing aloud your righteousness. Lord, open my lips, not shut my mouth. Not, not run and hide. Oh, Lord, open my lips and my mouth will show you forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice. You know what he's saying? You don't want a penance. You're not looking for penance. You're not looking for religious activity. You're not looking for public flogging. You're not looking for self-deprecation. He said, if you, he said, I'd give you a sacrifice. He said, you don't want a sacrifice or else I'd give it. If you wanted that, I'd give you anything you wanted. He said, you don't want a sacrifice or I'd give it. You do not delight in the burnt offering. You, it's not religious routine and exercise. Somebody hear me in this house. Shed that dead religious garbage. Shed that dead religious attitude. It's not a burnt offering. It's not a religious exercise that God wants. He wants a repentant heart. For the sacrifice, listen. Here it is. For the sacrifices of your good, for the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. These, oh God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure in Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and the whole offerings. And then you shall offer bulls for the year. He says, I'm broken and contrite. Don't bring the religious routines to me. Bring him a, re a repentant heart. And then after you have a repentant heart, then after you have a broken and contrite spirit, then he will accept your sacrifices. Then he will accept your worship. Then he will accept... If I had time, I'd go into Brother Swagger's story, but I don't have time. But the man changed the world. The man changed the world. And he failed before the world. And he's ridiculed, mocked, and everything else before the world. And you know what? He was full of pride when it happened. That's, he, he just was. And for 35 years, he's paid the consequences in terms heavier than you could ever imagine. But he's never quit. And you know what else today? In 140 countries all over the world, they're still bringing the true, clean, pure gospel to the world in a way that nobody else is doing it. See, the world rejects a man and his personal failure that's repented, and God still uses lots of consequences. I'm talking about preachers and church people alike, but they'll hold up a heretic like Bill Johnson and everybody follow him and get mad at you when you talk about him. I'm giving you a clear picture of what we're talking about here. We should divide over doctrine and avoid people that are heretics, not over failures, because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the consequences belong to God, not to me. 
And as I'm closing, golly, thank you, Jesus. When I read that day 10 years ago or so in my study in Boonville, reading in not every version translates it this way, but the major ones do. It says, and no bed beget Jesse the king. And Jesse the king, or David, no bed beget Jesse, Jesse beget David the king. And David the king beget Solomon of Uriah, the wife of Uriah, and so forth. And when I saw that, I, I've told you before, I saw that and I read David the king. I thought, that's which David? And he says, and David the king. And I thought, why, you just told me which David. Why are you telling me which David again? You've already told me which David. Why David? Jesse begat David the king. David the king begat Solomon of Uriah. I realize that the Savior of the world came through greatest, David's greatest failures. I get that. That's obvious. But I said, why? And it was one of those days where the Spirit of God was rich in the room. And he said, because David was the king before Bathsheba and Uriah. And he was the king after. He was still the king. He still had the anointing. He was still the man after God's own heart. That he, his repentance reconciled us. And there's no distance between me and David. He said, my son will sit on a, a, the throne of David that will be established forever. David's terrible failures did not, def, did not detract God from his plans for his life. Somebody in this place, hear me. You're afraid. You're afraid that you've destroyed God's plan for your life. I got news for you. If you have a broken and contrite heart, a repentant spirit, you don't have the power to destroy God's plan for your life. You're not that big and you're not that powerful. I'm talking, you can defy him and walk away from him and shake his hand, your fist in his face and then walk away from God. That's a whole different thing. But when you have a broken and contrite spirit and you have a repentant heart and you want to please God, you are not big enough to destroy God's plan for your life. You don't have that kind of power. The world may mock you, but God will use you. And in the end, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. It's God's will for all men everywhere to repent. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And when, you've, when you have, he hears you. Stand with me all over this place. closing I'm going to put something together for you that just occurs to me how many of you know about the will of God if you pray the will of God if you walk in the will of God that God hears you Acts 17 said it's God's will the Bible the word tells you God's will you want to know God's will for your life read the book it's God's, it's God's will for all men everywhere to repent 1 John chapter 5 tells you that this is the confidence I have in him that if I ask anything according to his will. That I know he hears us. And if I know that he hears me, then I know that I have the petition that I've asked him for. It's God's will for all men everywhere to repent. Whenever I cry out in repentance, that's God's will. And he hears you. And it's as good as done. Right then. The consequences can and will come. Some people will never forgive you. That's okay. That's on them. Forgiveness is not an option. They're the, one in, they're the one that has something between them and God. But God will still use you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that a broken and a contrite spirit you will not despise. Thank you for your spirit today. Quickly all across this place. Listen, I need you to understand something right up front that everybody in this room, including me, is for you. God is for you. We're for you. Don't walk out the door unchanged this morning. If you're here today and you think, the mess that I've made in my life that God can't use me. Nobody's going to ask you the what. Listen to me. Look, and even look at me. Nobody. If they're sitting beside you and go home with you, nobody's going to ask you the what. But if that's you today, 
God wants you to know that a broken and contrite heart, he will not despise. He will restore to you and then he'll use you.